I'm so excited about uh, this series because isn't God's words mind-bogglingly, awesomely, stunningly good news? I mean, that's what the gospel is. It's good news. And religious people mess it up all the time. I'm just telling you that. Religious people are always putting a box around the promises of God because they're so staggering that religious people go, yeah, but. And I just want to encourage you, put your yeah, but in the garbage can, all right? God does not need us to try to limit his promises. He wants us to be in awe of his promises. He wants us to be stunned. He wants us to be giggling like, are you kidding me? Is that what the Bible said? Are you kidding me? Is that really what God said? Yeah, that's what he said. And it's meant to cause us such unbelievable joy and meant to build our faith and meant to give us hope in the most difficult seasons of our life. And so I just want to remind you again that from the get-go, I have never suggested to you when we're preaching on supernatural blessing, this is not some cotton candy, you know, name it, claim it, false prosperity message. That's not it at all. I realize when we go through life, we all have speed bumps. We have serious stuff that happens. Some of you are facing incredible things right now. The promises of God are meant to give you hope and encouragement to believe him in your darkest days. Because everybody will go through chapters in their life that are their darkest days. And, and what I'm trying to do is not provide fa- false hope or, you know, plastic, tensely, no substance hope. I'm trying to g- give you rock-solid, grounded hope that God's promises to bless you, even on your worst day, are still valid and true. That's good news. And sometimes it requires a fight on our part. I wish I had, you know, we're not going to spend more than next week in this series, but we could talk about anybody remember Jacob wrestling with the Lord. There's a, there's a wrestling that takes place sometimes between us and the Lord, meaning not that we're fighting against God, but it means we are fighting to grab a hold of and to contend for the promises of God. I share with you, I think, a few weeks ago that our relationship with God is never marked by passivity. If you're just a casual observer, you're going to reap a casual reward, which is next to nothing. That's not how the kingdom of God operates. We, we have an encounter with Jesus, it changes our life, and then we begin to pursue him because we're grateful for all that he's done for us. We love him. We have an awakening in our hearts. And how many of you know it's in the pursuit of the promises where we find the Lord and where we find breakthrough? It doesn't just fall off a tree like nothing. It's in the pursuit of God. And many times, that's why the Bible says you have to fight the good fight of faith. The fight of faith isn't bad. It feels bad sometimes because sometimes it's work. Sometimes we have to press through. Sometimes we got to, 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 to fight in prayer, but we're not fighting God. We're fighting for the promises that he said are already yes. Amen? And so and sometimes you wait. Sometimes they don't happen instantly. Sometimes there's a waiting involved, but I want to encourage you uh, that it's worth the fight. As I shared last week, our prosperity has a divine purpose in it. It never ends with me, and it never ends with you. It always goes through us, and God's purpose is always to multiply his blessing in my life and in your life so that many, many more people are touched. And that's why I love that song. I told my son Joel this morning, I said, here, we're, we're going to be crying together because every time we start singing, his blessing is on you and your children and their children and their children. Oh my gosh, you start thinking of generational, the generational goodness of the Lord. 
And you know, I know some of you right now, you've got kids that aren't following the Lord. Some of you have kids that are in a bad place or they're uh, in bondage to this or that or whatever. Uh, sometimes we're fighting for relationships. But, but when you sing that song, you don't go, oh, bummer, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, you know, you, know you, sing, you sing into your situation the truth about what God wants to do. You with me? I'm looking out at some. Uh, I'm looking out at some marriages this morning that I thought were uh, at, at one point were not going to happen. Relationships that were not working so well, and I'm watching guys putting their arms around their wife, walking in, holding hands, and I'm going, Hallelujah! Uh, God has a way of putting things back together, doesn't He? Uh, but if we quit, and if we give up, and if we stop, and if we say, Well, or how about this? We get cynical toward the promises of God. Anybody ever been there? I tried that, I read that, that didn't work for me, I didn't apply in my life, look what happened. No, you know what, if you're cynical, you short-circuit the blessing of God on your life, because basically you're calling God a liar by your attitude. Anybody ever been there? And you know what, when you call God a liar, it's kind of hard to receive blessings from his hand. You ever hear that little phrase, don't bite the hand that's trying to feed you? Uh, a little gratitude goes a long way. A little worship goes a long way. So this is a, having a heart posture of faith towards God and realizing that there's a purpose in the prosperity. The pur- you know, can I just tell you, we've seen two, two families, this is not staggering on the grand scope, but two families liberated from a lifetime of slavery. And can I just tell you, we couldn't do that if we weren't blessed. So how many of you think the blessing of God is kind of important? And how many of you realize that if you have this attitude, well, you know, well, the blessing only refers to spiritual things. Tell that family. All they needed was two grand. Tell that family that the gospel really only is concerned with spiritual things. No, oh no, of course, the heartbeat of the gospel is spiritual things like forgiveness, reconciliation, right relationship with God, enjoying the presence of God, justification. I get all that, but how many of you know two grand just liberated a family in Jesus' name from a life of hell? So don't go the other direction on me and pretend like resources aren't important. They are. We need them every day. In fact, Jesus talked about bread, didn't he? He talked about clothing, didn't he? Because he knows that's where most of us are facing right now is we need clothes, we need food, we need to pay bills. But it's so much more than that is what I'm trying to say. And when you get aligned with the purposes of God, you find that God blesses what he's doing. So how many of you want to get the blessing of God on your life, then get involved in what God's doing, and that means he's looking for people to be conduits. He's looking for people that he can release stuff through to be a blessing to other people. That's why, hear this, I told you last week, or I can forget when I told you, but I told you at some point in time, God's not broken, he doesn't need your money, as if these offerings on Sunday, you know, God's going, oh please, I need my kingdom to operate for another week, can you guys help me out with that tithe check, are you kidding me? The purpose of what we do every week to give is for my health and for your health, not for God's health. We're not helping him. He says, I'm God. I don't need anything. He instituted giving so that we can become a conduit. Ready for this? So that we could be blessed. Or you can be stingy and eat it all with your cheeks puffy like my little chipmunk friend that steals all my seed. Uh, No, don't be a chubby little chipmunk hoarder. Be somebody who takes it and gives and takes it and gives and takes it and gives and you'll find that God blesses you all the days of your life and you'll end your days when you're old. You'll be going, wow, I'm an old, like David, I'm an old man now, but look at what God has done for me all the days of my life. He's been faithful and your life will be like seed 
that will multiply. So how many of you know when you're going through your darkest time, you need to keep your amens coming? You hear me? In your darkest time, God's character and God's promises have not changed one iota. It's harder to say amen to the promise of God when you're in a bad season and you're not seeing the answer, but keep the amens coming. What are you doing when you keep amen and you keep agreeing with the Father and you keep sowing seed and you keep watering the promises and the Bible says God gives the increase. Don't stop the amens because they're very, very important and don't let situations change. I want to take you to a place today, it's a promise from God that's absolutely staggering, especially when you look at the context. So follow with me in the Bible, Zechariah, all the way there at the end of the Old Testament, not uh, Zephaniah. That's close. Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 12. It says, come back to the place of safety, all you prisoners who still have hope. I promise this very day, God says, I will repay two blessings for every one of your troubles. How many of you like those two-for-one deals? Or the buy one, get ones, all right? God says, I have a Kmart blue light special deal for you, and I'm aging myself here because that was, a, how many of you remember the blue light specials at Kmart? All right, most of the Kmarts have gone with the, now we're having Walmart blue light specials or something, I don't know, but anyway, this is God's blue light special. It's his two for one deal, but I want you to see the context here. He makes this promise to people who are prisoners of war. They're prisoners of war. They're in, ca- they're in captivity. And the reason they're in captivity is because they disregarded God and they disregarded his commands. How many of you have ever found yourself in captivity simply because you didn't honor the Lord, you didn't obey his word, and you made bad choices? Anybody besides me make a bad choice or two? We find ourselves many times in prison because of our own choices and because of our own lives. That's exactly what was happening here. They, they were receiving the just punishment of their sinful choices and the consequences for their actions. But how many of you are grateful that your past doesn't have to keep you in bondage as long as you know Jesus? That our past mistakes and failures are washed away. And how many of you know when they viewed themselves as prisoners of war, God viewed them as prisoners of hope? I just want to ask you, what perspective do you have today about yourself? Are you a prisoner of war? Are you a casualty? Are you a victim of your past? Are you someone who still can't seem to get over the mistake you made or the broken relationships or maybe it was hurt done to you? I don't know what it is, but are you a prisoner of war or are you a prisoner of hope? It's a good question, isn't it? I love the way the Message Bible paraphrases this. It says, and you, because of my blood covenant with you, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless selves. Come home. Hope-filled prisoners, isn't that good? I'm going to say that over all you. Come home, hope-filled prisoners. Some of you that are feeling distant from God, here's a word for you today. Come home, right from the heart of God. You hope-filled prisoners, look what it says. This very day, God says, I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost returned twice over. How many of you know God is the God of double blessings and divine comebacks? Double blessings and divine comebacks. Now, have any of you ever experienced loss in your life? Anybody besides me? 
What do you do when you experience loss? Let's go on the, on the positive side, all right? Let's say sometimes we experience loss because of our own stupidity. I don't, I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but I've been there. Uh, stupidity loss, like should have had a V8. What was I thinking? Uh, why did I do that? But I'm not talking about the stupidity loss. I'm talking about sometimes stuff just happens to you, and it's not because you did anything wrong. Sometimes we have things robbed from us, and we, weren't the, we were the victims. We were not the ones that were the aggressors or the oppressors in the situation. I think of Job. How many of you can relate to Job's tragedy? Lost his whole family. Lost his health. Lost his livelihood. But I want you to see the very first thing Job did. Anybody know? What was the first response from Job after the three witnesses came and told him the bad news about all of his losses. What, what did he do? What's the first thing? Ready for this? The Bible says that he worshiped. That means he said an amen in his darkest day. Can I just encourage you on the Sundays when you feel like you don't want to come to church because you're just bummed out or you've had a rough week, that's the very week you need to come and say amen. Because what that means corporately is you're saying during worship, you're saying, God, it's been rough, or I don't understand this, I'm still fighting for this, but God, I am saying amen, you're still God, you're still in charge, you're still my hope, and I worship you. Can you imagine after losing everything that the first response out of your broken heart is a response of worship? That's what Job did. And look what the Bible says, this is Job 42, verses 10 and 12. When Job prayed for his worthless friend, oh no, just his friends, I added the worthless part. In there. When, I mean, you know, they weren't the greatest comforters. They kind of did not help. But when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, look what it says. The Lord gave him, engine, are you grabbing a hold of this? Oh man, hold on to this, hold on to this. The Lord gave him twice as much as before. And look what it says in verse 12. The Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than at the... Some of you guys need to hear this this morning. It doesn't matter that you screwed up the first half of your life. God isn't done trying to bless you yet. God hasn't given up on us in our worst day, in our most stupid day, when we backslide, when we go back like the dog eating the vomit. Anybody been there before? And you're going, God, why am I stuck here? Why do I keep acting this way? He still isn't giving up on you. And his promise says, no matter the depth of the loss. How many of you know Job suffered incredible loss? But God said, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to restore all of it. In fact, I am going to give you twice as much as you had before. Now, okay, so what's the biblical precedent for this? I'm, try, I'm trying to build your faith here today. Pastor Ron, are you just preaching some feel-good message? Listen, the whole Bible is a feel-good message. Are you kidding me? Every time I read the good news, I feel good. We're not preaching feel-bad messages around here, but we are preaching biblically solid messages that are rooted in truth. Where does this double thing come from? Well, how many of you believe when God spoke the law, it was a reflection of his heart and his character? So if God establishes a law, it says something about what's in his heart. Well, let's go back to the Old Covenant. How many of you know that under the Old Covenant, look at Exodus 22, verse 4. If someone steals an ox or a donkey or a sheep and it is found in the thief's possession, the thief must pay double the value of the stolen animal. How many of you know if a thief is caught, he doesn't just restore the animal, the thief pays twice. 
Now, how many of you know this is called restored, true restorative justice, restoration, restitution? And I think our culture could do better than simply if we allow people to destroy other people's property and have zero responsibility or zero accountability. I think maybe if we started saying, whatever you steal from somebody else, you're going to pay back twice. There might be a wake-up call. I don't know. But how many of you know that's God's heart? You take something from somebody else, you steal from them, your responsibility not only to, t- to pay back what you stole, but double it. If it was one sheep, you're giving them two. Now, can I just say something? If you have the heart of God, and in your B.C. days, or maybe not in your B.C. days, but you defrauded another brother or sister, and it happens all the time, you failed to do what you said you were going to do, you failed to pay them what you said that you were going to pay them for that work or whatever, you should not just have to be begged and cajoled and you know, called up by your pastor and threatened or whatever, get a nasty letter in the mail. You should have a heart to repay everything and hear me, then some. Why then some? Because you're moving in faith, supernatural faith. Because you believe that God will bless you. That was the old covenant. How many of you know everybody talks about grace? Grace does not mean less. Grace means more. Grace is good news. Well, that was grace, and God, that was the law, and we're under grace, and so God doesn't want me to pay any of it. No, be a person of integrity. Be a person who honors, and how about this? Lord, bless me so that I can make my debts good. How many of you believe God would provide supernatural blessing so that you could be blessable again? In other words, get you out of the hole so that you could be blessable. Now, how many of you know if under the old covenant the thief has to pay double? Then how many of you know in John 10.10 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy? My purpose, Jesus said, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. How many of you think if under the old covenant God would demand double blessing? How many of you think in Christ we get at least double blessing? So here's what I'm talking about. When we were going through a difficult time and we experienced a, some internal d- division and strife and we lost a lot of our family um, and we had people prophesying doom and gloom and it was the lowest season of my life. You know, you know what I did? I come in the sanctuary and I fought. I took what I heard through the lips of people. I didn't fight people. I prophesied to the devil. I said, you know, Satan, we're kind of down right now. We're kind of hurting right now. There's been a lot of casualties. In fact, you mess with a lot of our good friends over, over division and strife and secondhand offenses. And you know what? We're having to shut down one service because we don't have enough people even coming to the service. So we're going backwards and not going forwards. But Satan, I just want to remind you about all the amazing prophetic words that we've had over the years. Remember those? Yeah, remember that night? Yep, you remember that? I know you were here. You were, you were listening in. And I just want to thank you, Lord, that you have promised us exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, that whatever the enemy has stole from us, you're going to restore it. Lord, if we get knocked down seven times, we're going to get up the eighth time. That, that whatever we were down and out, we're going to be up and moving forward. Whatever was a setback, we're going to have a comeback in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And I remember walking up to these stinking walls because we were in this building for I don't know how long. And I remember literally walking around these walls saying, you know what, you're not going to be able to contain the fruit that God is going to send us. I was pushing on those walls, pushing on those walls. Now, if anybody from the street would have come in, they would have thought I was nuts. But I was more in touch with reality than most people. 
because I saw, you know what? God was watching, and the enemy was listening, and you know what? You know what? You ready for this? And now it's happening. Now it's happening. But it didn't happen without a fight. And you just tell the enemy, you know what? You ripped off my son. You stole from my daughter. You stole from our family. You robbed me. You damaged here. You stole here. You, re- you wrecked this. But I am not sitting back and taking it. Because I am going to move into the blessing of God. Or you just sit back and you go, oh, well, poor me. The Bible doesn't work for me. Listen, there's no room for victimhood in the kingdom. You're not a victim unless you choose to be a victim. Stop it. You need to quit thinking that way. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? You don't have to figure out what you're going to do. Trust the Lord. God does things that blow our minds away. He has resources you don't have. He has relationships you don't have. He's got connections, baby, that you don't have. You've got to believe him. Some of you need to do some walking around in your house and pounding on some walls and declaring that, you know what, this is not going to contain us any longer. The increase, the fruitfulness, the lives that are going to be impacted, it's all coming. It's all coming. And listen to me. When you hear the word of the Lord from a man of God or a woman of God and you know it's the word of the Lord, but it doesn't seem like it's true now, don't you dare shrink back. Don't let that fall to the ground. Reach out in faith. And the Bible says we war with the prophetic words of God. We war with them. We, we pray that we say, God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. And we encourage ourselves with those things. Because God is a God of comebacks. The thief has to pay double. You remember that situation with Joseph where he said in Genesis 50, you guys intended to harm me, talking to his own brothers, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position, here's the the key, so that I could save the lives of many people. If Joseph hadn't experienced all that he went through, he would not have been in a position to be a blessing and to save literally hundreds, probably hundreds of thousands of lives. How many of you figured out when God gives you a word, many times you go the opposite direction initially because God's testing the word and he's breaking you and he's breaking me and he's getting us into position where the word can actually be fulfilled and where we won't mess it up. How many of you know God's preparing you right now? And let me just tell you what he's preparing you for. Increase. Increase of what? How about, let's start with some good stuff. How about a bigger heart to love people? How about less of you and more of him? How about hunger? How you know hunger is a great gift? You know how you get hunger in your heart? You go from not having any food. Anybody ever go without a meal? Well, most of us probably haven't done that for a while. But if you ever went without a meal for a while, guess what? You get hungry. Guess what? Spiritual hunger is a gift from God to awaken us to pursue him so that he can give us more of himself. All of these things that I'm talking about. How about any of you deal with pride? Well, just let the Lord take you to the school of hard knocks for a while, and then you realize your opinion is not all that important, and you don't really know as much as you thought you knew. So you know what? You're humble. How about anybody ever been bitter before and critical and judgmental because you're Mr. and Mrs. Smarty Pants and you think you know it all? Well, when you've been through a few hard knocks yourself, you know what? You're not so quick to judge, are you? When you're you're perfect family, you find out it isn't perfect and you're judging everybody else's family for being imperfect, then you realize, 
you swallow because you realize, oh, maybe there's a few things I need to learn. Maybe I need to learn to love better. You know, when you got all the money and it's piling up in your room, you got so much, you're, you're so content, you pay for everything, and then you enter a, a tough financial period and you got nothing, then all of a sudden you realize, hmm, I think I need to depend on the Lord maybe a little bit more. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When the carpet gets pulled out from under you, it's not that God's trying to destroy you. He's actually trying to fix you so he can bless you so that you can be a blessing to many, many people. Is this making sense to anybody? So I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you at your lowest moment, God's heart towards you has not changed. Maybe you're re- you're, the chapter of your book right now is failure, or maybe it's heartache, or pain, or setback, but I'm telling you that your life's not over yet, the chapters aren't done yet, and there's a chapter called Comeback just around the corner, a chapter called Breakthrough, a chapter called Oh My Goodness, I Never Knew It Could Be This Good, uh, chapter, that's the long, long title version on that one, um, but there's a chapter and there's Breakthrough Coming, don't be negative. Don't be full of unbelief. Don't be cynical. Don't be a victim. Don't have a long face. Don't be pouty. Uh, None of those things work. Here's what you need. Amen. 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 In fact, I'm just going to tell you this again, not because God needs your money, but because you need breakthrough. Sometimes the secret to your uh, answer is you being an answer to somebody else. So at your worst moment when you feel like you got nothing, I told you, I'll tell you a quick story. When, when I was trying to pay for college, private Christian college, my mom and dad, uh, at the time, teachers, school teachers income, one income, and I, I'm trying to go to Taylor University, which was like the price of a new car every year or every semester. Um, we didn't have the money, and it was back, remember when we had gas lines in the 70s, it was so bad? And there was no work, remember that? And here's what I did. There were people in our church, uh, widows, single moms who needed work around their house. And you know what I did? I went and I cleaned their leaves up and I trimmed their bushes. And, I, and they said, oh, here, let me pay you, let me pay you. And this is what I honestly said. The, the amount of money that we need is so much that I appreciate this gift, but you keep it because I just want to sow into your life. Do you know that I graduated from Taylor University and God paid the bills and we still don't know how he did it, but he did it. And sometimes he did it through the most unusual things. I could have sat home and pouted, but I had good parents and they said, why don't you go sow your time and go love somebody and go bless somebody. See, God's kingdom doesn't make sense. This roof was paid for by a bad situation with a single woman who came into an inheritance and tithed off of it. We had nothing. That was right after God told us to give $10,000 to a local church. $10,000 we didn't have. But God takes nothing and he makes it into something. And God takes broken dreams and he turns them into dreams fulfilled. And God takes desires in your heart that he placed there and he brings them to pass. You know why? Because he's such a great dad. And you know what? Earthly dads, even bad dads, want to make dreams come true for their kids. How much more does our Heavenly Father put dreams in your heart that he wants to see fulfilled? Because he's a great dad. 
He's the one that revealed himself as a father. And he wants to father you. And he wants to heal you. Now, you can't sit back passively. Pursue, 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 and keep pursuing. And keep going after God. And keep trusting God. And, keep, and when you are down and you're hurting and you feel like you can't go on, that's when you need the church of Jesus Christ. And you better be connected. That's why we're saying get involved in some life groups. Get involved in some ministries. Get to know people. Because people will be the means of your grace and the means of your healing, all right? God is a God of double blessing. And God is a God of divine comebacks. Just when you thought you were finishing last, oh, you finished first. Just when you thought you had nothing, ah, you have more than enough. I got another story brewing. I can't even tell it to you now because we're out of time. But God will blow your mind with his provision for you. And that's why I said Injun and others who have been fighting and dealing with sometimes injustice, doing the right thing, and yet sometimes you do the, you know, you get the, 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 the payments, the wrong thing. It doesn't make sense. But I just want to encourage you and everybody else in this room. Hey, how many of you can reach out and grab a hold of Job's promise? The second half of your life is going to be better than the first. Well, if that's true for me, I'm living to 100 years of age, all right, because I'm over 50. So the second half of my life is going to be better than the first. That gets me excited because I like the first half of my life. But the second half is going to be better. I can hardly contain myself. (laughs) And how many of you know the last half of our life, last half, eternity is going to blow your socks off? So even if the devil's laughing at you on the way to your grave with some unfulfilled promises, just laugh at him as you're going, ha, 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 then go. Because you are going to, he, you're going to get the last laugh because God set us up. All right, let's get our communion out this morning. And I am not a, uh, I am not a like mechanical person, although this is like not mechanical, but you know what I'm talking about. So, and I've never even used one of these things. So I might have to have somebody smarter than me figure out how to get this wafer out. Mike, are you raising your hand because you're smarter than me? Oh, no, I thought you were were offering help. All right, Ed, I don't have my glasses on either. You guys got to get my communion wafer out of there. When somebody figures it out, you can come up here and do a show and tell. (laughs) Help us all out. (laughs) Lynn, you got to figure it out? Okay, all right. Amen. Thank you. So when you get your wafer out there, and here, I want to bring this all home to us this morning. Every time we receive communion, it is a physical reminder that every promise of God is yes in Christ because of what he did for us on the cross. And let me just tell you how this works with a double blessing. How many of you know we received a double blessing on the cross because we not only had our sins washed away, which is called forgiveness, that just brings us back to zero, right? But isn't this amazing? All the righteousness of God in Christ is put on my account. So God looks at us this morning not as just forgiven, but as righteous because of Jesus' holy life. So when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son. And some of you, as you 
partake, you need to let go and quit beating yourself up with the failures of the past. And as you partake, you need to say, you know what? I'm eating and drinking to a new future. I'm eating and drinking to the promises of God fulfilled in my life. So, Lord, we thank you for your broken body that was broken and beaten and ripped apart for us. And, Lord, you took upon that body all the sin of the world, my sin, everybody's sin in this room, so that we could be forgiven. So, Lord, we eat this cracker right now in remembrance of you and in remembrance of all that your physical body went through on that cross to pay for our sin. Let's partake of that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, we hold this cup in our hand that reminds us of the blood, the blood of the covenant, the blood of the covenant. We're not alone. You're for us. You're not against us. We've been united with Jesus Christ in covenant friendship. And so, Lord, thank you for the blood that was shed that covers us and washes us and cleanses us. And, Lord, we drink of it right now. And as we do, we just say, yes, amen. Amen to all of your good intentions over our life. And Lord, we commit ourselves to a life of obedience and a pursuit of you and a desire to love you and to know you, Lord. May that be true of all of us in Jesus' name. Let's enjoy the cup together. Amen. Amen. Now, Father, as we go today, we, we send everyone out with a spirit of hope and encouragement. Lord, that they'd fight like never before, and Lord, that they'd be tenacious with your promises. Lord, let us begin to see the amazing blessing, supernatural provision that you provide. And Lord, even as we leave right now, we ask you, Father, that you bless this offering for Pakistan, that more families get liberated, more Bibles in India and Pakistan and other places, Lord, that the word of God would spread, and Lord, that you would supernaturally bless us as we sow and as we water in this field. We give you the glory and honor now in Jesus' name. Amen.